I'd like to ask you to go to Mark, the fifth chapter, and look at the 25th verse. And that's where we're going to begin and read down through verse 34 for a text. And the title of my message today is From Desperation to Deliverance. From Desperation to Deliverance. Now in John 21, 25, before we read the text, I'll just mention this verse. The Apostle John testified that if all the things that Jesus did and said were written down, he supposed the world wouldn't contain the books. Well, when it comes to the four Gospels, there are only about 19 or 20 different, distinct miracles of healings that are given in the Scriptures. Now, we know that there were multitudes healed. There were many people healed. We know that they were healed of many different things. And so the fact is not all of these were recorded. As John said, it just, you know, it's too much to record it all. So what we have to conclude is those that are recorded are those that are specifically important for us to study and to learn and to understand how they work. And so we're going to take this one in Mark 5, and we're going to do that. We're going to pick it apart. We're just going to look at it in some detail and try our best to learn the lessons that the Holy Spirit has for us to learn. Now, it's important to do this uh, again and again in your Christian life because what happens is, I guarantee you that if you listen carefully when we're studying this, you will hear some things that will trigger some revelation that you didn't have before. Not that you didn't read it before, not that maybe you haven't studied it before and heard other people preach on it before. But what happens is we grow and we're able to receive things. I remember when I was a little kid, one of my uh, memories of the the first house I remember where, where we lived was that the light switch uh, beside the front door was, you know, up on the wall, and I can remember having to jump to turn it on. Now, I know some of you are thinking you probably still do, but that's not really the case. (laughs) But I remember I used to have to jump up and turn that light on. But then there came a time when I didn't have to jump anymore. I didn't really feel myself growing so much. You know, you're not so much aware of it, but it's kind of like all of a sudden you realize, hey, this is different. Well, that's the same way with growth spiritually. You will grow, and you'll find yourself at places, and and it's not really that you don't know how you got there, but you didn't realize that that was where you were moving to or that you were at that place. And so you see things you didn't see before, and that's one reason it is so important. I remember when I was attacked this past spring and physically going through some things, and I I remember that uh, part of the victory journey for me was to actually go through the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, with the Amplified Bible. And, uh, you know, it's got a lot more words in it, and uh, it takes longer to read. But there are a lot of good things that are brought out through those uh, extended word definitions and things that it gives to us. And so uh, as I was doing that, I went through, and my particular emphasis was on healing. And it's just amazing how I began to see things that I had not seen before, and how that, you know, a number of those passages I had actually preached from or taught from over the years. And so every time you go back, you're going to see some new things and some fresh things. It's kind of like, you know, eating eggs for breakfast. Now, you know, I don't, not all of you maybe like eggs for breakfast, but I do. And, uh, you know, I don't know when I ate the first egg. I guess I was just a little kid, a little baby or something. 
But still here at 65 years old, I still like bacon and eggs and sausage and gravy and biscuits and fried potatoes. Isn't that way? Amen. That really sounds good, doesn't it? Uh, well, you can have the apple butter. I mean, I, but uh, <laughs> strawberry preserves, that sounds pretty good. But you understand, it's not that it has to be new. It just needs to be fresh. I don't want eggs that were fried four days ago. Amen. So that's the way we look at Scripture. Let's read beginning with verse number 25. Um, I don't know if I told you the exact right verse, but anyway, Mark chapter 5, verse 25. We'll read through verse 34. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. Say, that's a long time. I mean, that's a pretty good while under any circumstance, but it's really a long time to be sick. Had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself <clears throat> that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. <coughs> Excuse me. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Can I have some water for somebody, please? <coughs> Excuse me. Thank you, sweetie. <laughs> you got to get points everywhere you can. <laughs> and he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, notice what Jesus said. Now, this isn't some preacher, some teacher somewhere far away. This is Jesus himself. He said, daughter, thy faith. He didn't say, daughter, my power, even though we know power was released and power did its work. But he said, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We bless you. We praise you this morning for being so kind and so gracious to us that you would speak to us from the Word. Lord, it's a marvelous thing that you do to take care of us day by day, to speak into our hearts and lives, to lead us, guide us, to teach us and instruct us and to help us. And we pray, Lord, this morning that we would hear exactly what we need to hear. I pray for a spirit of boldness, a spirit of accuracy, and that this message would be delivered powerfully and simply, and that we would all leave here with the deposit having been made by your word in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Well, I took this bottle of water and I took the lid off and haven't coughed since. Maybe I should just preach with the bottle of water in my hand. Praise the Lord. 
What is it we can learn from this story? If we're going to take a deep dive, as we say, into this this account, what are the things that the Holy Spirit wants to say to us today? This is going to be so simple that you'll have to have theological help to misunderstand it. It's so simple that you're going to be very tempted to say, I already know it, and I've heard this before. But let's let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Let's look at the setting for a minute. You're familiar with Mark 5. If you are, you know that Jesus actually was on his way to heal somebody else. He was on his way to heal Jairus' son or daughter, it was, that was sick. And uh, he was going along and there was this group of people with him. And actually, this woman brought an interruption or delay in that process. But she received. Which tells us, of course, that no matter what else God may have going on, he always has time for you. Amen. He can multitask better than anybody. He is able to take care of every need you have, even though he's also looking to take care of the needs of other people. So she received. We learned and read that she was sick for 12 years. She was, by Jewish law, supposed to be quarantined. We're familiar with that term, of course, nowadays. Uh, She was breaking the law by being there in the crowd. She was not supposed to be there. She was considered ceremonially, ceremonially unclean. And uh, just don't bother about they're, they're getting everything fixed. We'll, we'll get there. Just, uh, just, just listen and don't stare at those folks. They're doing their job. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> but uh, she was not supposed to be there. And what made this story even more poignant is the fact that the person that would have been so involved in her punishment for coming out of quarantine was actually there, it would be Jairus, the synagogue leader. He would have been one of the people that she would have wanted to certainly avoid. So this tells me that she just threw caution to the wind. She was desperate. And though it may seem like a human weakness, our desperation toward God is always something God's willing to reward. God wants to bless you. And the more desperate, or we might use the term hungry, or the more needy you are, and the more willing you are to step out with your faith and touch Jesus, the better he likes it. There may be religious folks that don't understand. They may not like it. They may not appreciate it. But they're not God. And they're not the one who's going to heal you. They're not the ones paying your bills and meeting your needs. They're not the ones that can fix your marriage or bring your wayward children home. It's the God of heaven that we're interested in pleasing. And so when you see someone dancing before the Lord and you see somebody praising God and you hear somebody loudly rejoicing, rather than being offended at what you think might not be the right approach, you need to just maybe stop and think, you probably don't know what God brought them out of. You probably don't realize where they came from and how far they have come into the blessings of God. Don't let anybody bother you about trying to judge you for your shouting and your praising. Just make sure that you praise and shout to God with the appropriate praise and shout for all the good things he's done. Which means that it should probably be a whole lot more than we've ever done in our lives anyway. Let's take a moment and just do a little bit of that. Father, thank you.
Hallelujah. We rejoice in your presence this morning, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, not only had she been sick for 12 years, but she had suffered many things of many physicians. And many of you know some about what that's like. Sometimes you wonder if the cure's not worse than the, the disease, maybe, if you've been through certain things. She had suffered many things of many physicians. And not only that, but to add insult to injury, she had spent all of her money doing so. So she was sick. She was broke. She was incurable. She was only worse, not better. It appeared that she was terminal. It appeared that she would die this way. And you know, if you know anything about the adversary of your soul, if you've ever had to fight the good fight of faith and you've ever heard the devil trying to tell you stuff, you know what he was telling her was that there's no hope you'll die with this. You will never get healed. You'll never be well. You're going to live a life isolated, quarantined, unclean the rest of your life, and you will die as you literally bleed to death in a slow and agonizing death. You can imagine that's what the devil told her. But, ooh, glory. <laughs> but she heard of Jesus. She heard of Jesus. It was what she heard that gave her first hope and then faith that she could be healed. And I'm not a betting person, but if I were, I'd probably bet it wasn't a rabbi that told her about Jesus. I would bet it was not a, a religious zealot that told her about Jesus. I'd say she probably heard about him through other people talking about the marvelous works that he had done. Talking about this, this teacher that had risen up that God had given such marvelous power to. They didn't have Acts 10.38 written then, but at this time it was being manifest in front of them how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. They didn't have written the gospel of Matthew chapter 9 verse 35, but it was being lived out in front of them. Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Matthew 8, 16 and 17 hadn't yet been written, but it was being lived out in front of them. And when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. He, they were watching and seeing as people came to him from all quarters, and, this, and they came to hear him, the book of Luke chapter 4 says, and to be healed of their diseases. Hallelujah. She heard of Jesus. And what she heard was life to her. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20, verses 20, 21, and 22 says, My son, attend to my words. 
Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them, my words and sayings, not depart from thine eyes. Keep them, my words and sayings, in the midst of thine heart. For they, my words and sayings, are life unto those that find them and health unto all their flesh. It is so important that we hear the word of God. And I want to say this to you as a part of the church, the body of Christ. It is vitally important that not only that you're hearing, but that you are telling the Word of God so that others may hear. Because the great faith principle is found in Romans 10, 17 that tells us simply and completely how faith comes. So then, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith does not come by praying for it. It does not come by fasting for it. It doesn't come by the laying on of hands, even of a greatly anointed people. But faith comes one way and one way only, and that is by hearing the Word of God. And so that's how faith came to this woman, and that's how faith will come to others. It is so important to tell people the Word of God. And so I want to ask this question this morning, and you just answer it on the inside of yourself. Who are you telling? Who are you telling about the goodness of God? Who are you sharing the word of God with? Are you bringing the word of faith to somebody? When you hear people griping and complaining, and you know, we hear so much of that today. And I, I, I will say this, that with the advent of social media and cell phones, you get more complaining and griping now than you've ever gotten in all of your life. There is a constant flow of bad news, a constant flow of argumentative, argumentative type of communication. There is a constant flow of he said, she said, they did, all kinds of mess that's out there. I'm telling you, people are starving for a word from God. They're starving for truth that will set them free. And so not only do we want to receive that truth, but I'm asking the question today, who are you telling that truth to? Please don't take part in other people's complaining sessions. Don't take part in their griping sessions. Don't take part of their political arguments. Bring the word to people. Hallelujah. Bring the word of God. People cannot believe past their knowledge of the word. So if they have no knowledge of the word, they're not believing any of the word, basically. If they have a little knowledge, they're believing a little. But if they have full knowledge of certain things, then they can believe fully. And so faith begins, to quote F.F. F. Bosworth, a great teacher of yesteryear, faith begins where the will of God is known. And so it's important. This woman's faith began when she understood the will of God. I don't know if she heard the story from, uh, that's recorded in Matthew chapter 8 of the leper who came to Jesus and said, Lord, if you will... You can make me clean. And Jesus' answer was simply two words which changed that man's life forever. He said, I will. And the fact is, when you read through the four Gospels, you'll never find one time where Jesus ever said, I won't. Whether it was a Jew or a Gentile, whether it was a saintly person or somebody whose character might have been questionable, whether it was a, uh, a deeply religious person or, 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 or just a, a nominal layman, whatever it might be, he never turned anybody down. His power was available to all. But, of course, the catch 
was that you had to believe. Faith was and still is required. The Bible tells us uh, that it is impossible to please God without faith, Hebrews eleven six. Since Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, since God changes not, then that means it's still impossible to please Him without faith. And so therefore, if faith only comes through the Word, and it's impossible to please God without faith, then it's not possible for me to please God without a knowledge of the Word. It's not possible for me to please God without a release of my faith. It's essential to faith to hear what God says about your case and about you. It's easy to get the idea. I think it just somehow it's just part of human nature. I don't know why we do this. But it's so easy to fall into this trap whereby we hear about God doing marvelous things for somebody. And it's not that we don't believe that God did it. Maybe they're testifying about a miracle and they're standing in front of you or they're standing in front of a camera and you see the video of it, whatever the case may be. And so you, you don't deny, yes, they got their miracle. But isn't it amazing how that the same lying devil will come to every one of us in that kind of a situation and say, but that's not going to happen for you. He is a liar. He's the inventor of lies. And so you can pretty much, uh, if one of the ways to, to, to walk in, in a greater degree of victory is just, just to know that whatever he says, you can believe the opposite. Whatever he says you can't do, you can. Whatever he says you can't have, you can. Hallelujah. And so when he starts telling you how you're not going to get healed and you're not ever going to be pain-free and you're not going to live long and you're, you know, all this mess, you can just know that it's the will of God for the opposite. God wants me pain-free. God wants me healed. God wants me to live long. And so I just choose to believe God. I choose to side in with the one who's never told a lie, the one who is always looking out for my best interest. So it is essential to hear what God says about you. That's why we encourage you to go in the New Testament and look at those scriptures. There are about 130 of them that have the phrase in Christ, in him, through him, by him, that kind of thing. Look at those to realize and to learn who you are in Christ. And then you begin to pick up those things that God said about you and start saying that about yourself. That's faith. However, even though hearing is essential... It is not sufficient. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying we throw the hearing part away. I've just spent all this time emphasizing how important it is. But what I'm saying is that's just the first part. You notice that the woman heard that was not her initiative. Somebody told her. That's how she heard. And so once she heard and hope began to dawn, and faith was born. Then she, from that point on, had to act on the word. Now here's where a lot of people unhook from the train. They believe good things. They believe scriptural things. They believe right things. And if they were in a conversation, they would agree with you. But that's as far as it goes. Hearing is essential. But it is not sufficient 
to get your miracle. You have to move beyond it. Hearing is a must, but we have to do more than listen. And we have to do more than just see others who have received. Testimonies are powerful. We love good testimonies. Wasn't that a blessing? Our sister testifying about God healing her, her foot for four days with that. Now she's free. Danced her way to healing. Woo, glory. Amen. Well, that's encouraging. But a testimony doesn't produce faith. The Word produces faith. Testimonies encourage us to use our faith that the Word produces. You see, uh, because Debbie got healed doesn't mean that you receive unless you use faith like she did. And notice she had to do more than hear, and she had to do more than believe. She had to stomp. (laughs) And like a good Presbyterian, she just started dancing. Amen? (laughs) I'm not mad at the Presbyterian. Thank God for Presbyterians. But the next step for this woman's healing was not initiated by somebody else. The next steps were her personal choices and, I might add, her personal responsibility. Now, we live in a world where people don't like responsibility. I mean, we live in a world where we have just tons. I mean, you could even say literally there are tons of people <laughs> who don't want to do anything. I mean, there's all kinds of people that just want to sit home and play with their phone, maybe smoke a little dope, and somebody pay them to do that. You know, you go by these places, everybody's hiring. Why? Because nobody wants to work. Well, I could really get on a hobby horse, but that's not really what the Lord told me to do this morning. She had to act. Everybody say act. Faith is an act. So what did she choose to do next after she heard? What's the next thing that we're going to see in this this story as we examine it closely? Well, the first thing that she chose then to do in response to what she heard was to begin and then to continue. Everybody say continue. I wanted you to say that because it's important because it wasn't a one-time thing. She chose to say, to start saying, and then to continually say or speak her faith. What was her faith? That which she chose to believe. A lot of people have the idea that somehow this, this faith business is just, it just comes on you. I mean, it's just like hunger for some of you about now. It just comes on you. You don't even have to make any effort. You just, there it is. I think some people think faith is the same way. That just all of a sudden, huh, I've got faith. No, that's not really how how it works. You choose to believe. Have you ever yourself said or you've heard somebody else say, I don't believe that. Now, whether they knew it or not, whether you knew it or not, that's a choice. And why do I choose not to believe certain things that some people would say? And you're thinking of some of those people too, and you don't have to tell me who they are. Why is that? Because you know them. You know they're prone to exaggeration. You know they're prone to lying. You know that in a pinch, they'll fudge it, as we'd say, which is another way of saying they're a liar. (laughs) 
And by the way, Jesus said all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. We won't attribute that to the Presbyterians. We'll attribute that to the Baptists today, all right? Praise the Lord. <laughs> I grew up Baptist, so praise the Lord. Um, why do you not believe it? Why do you choose not to believe it? Because you know them. Why would this woman choose to believe? Because she had heard about Jesus. You see, you can't hear. Now, this, this will help you if you'll take this in your spirit. Let it... Soak in. Take, this is something you can take home with you and think about this week. You can't help but believe God if you hear about him. You'll choose to believe. And she made the choice. And so she chose to believe and she chose then to start saying what she believed. She willed, and I use that word on purpose, as an act of her will... She willed. You see, when it comes to miracles, and by the way, I know that this story is a healing story, but the principles of faith that we're talking about apply for every area where faith works. So these principles you're learning today will work for your finances. It'll work for your family. It'll work for your mental health. It will work for your ministry call. It will work for your business. It will work in any area of your life because faith is the same in every realm. So she chose to start and to continually say or speak her faith, which is that which she had also chosen to believe. And she willed. Isn't it amazing how many people today, and you probably know people like this, and I'm not saying it to be unkind to anybody, because we maybe many of us have been there ourselves, where we always approach these kinds of things with thinking, well, if it's God's will, if it's God's will, well, I'm just praying, and Lord willing, that, uh, you know, I'll be healed, or Lord willing, that, you know, I'll be able to meet the need, or whatever it might be. So it sounds really strange to many of our religious ears and to our religious brains sometimes to, to make a statement like, she willed. She willed to be healed. But do you know that's exactly what she did? Why could she do that? Why was that okay with God? Doesn't that insult the, quote, sovereignty of God? Doesn't that insult the fact that God is God and we're just humans, we're just created beings? No, not at all. Because what had happened was she had figured out what God's will is, her healing, and then she just got into agreement, her will, with God's will. But do you know she'd have never been healed if she hadn't willed to be healed? If she would have stayed home and said, you know, I believe that God can heal me. I believe that Jesus can heal me. And I believe that in his own good time, and I believe in his own good way, He'll probably come here by my house, knock on my door, and as I turn off Jeopardy, he'll walk in, lay his hands on me, whoo, and I'll be healed. With a jerk and a shake, it's all going to be done. How many of you know she'd have died? She would have died graveyard dead. She would have died had she had that attitude. But I'm going to say this, and, and it's true. Many of you know people, that's really their attitude. 
I mean, they don't go into all the stuff about Jeopardy and all the rest. They, they might do Wheel of Fortune, but anyway, whatever. They don't go into all of that, but that's their attitude. And so they, they don't will anything, really. They don't will anything. They, they will to just stay in the recliner and hope to get better. And they get worse and worse and worse until they die. And then they go to heaven. And um, I don't know what kindergarten in heaven looks like, but I'd say it's a pretty big class <laughs> to figure out. you know. And can you imagine people in heaven saying, man, you know, I could have I had all that. You mean that was available? I mean, it's just something to think about, isn't it? I mean, there's going to be some reason people cry tears that Jesus wipes away. I think it really has to do with our purpose and plan in life, but could it also include all that we could have had that we didn't have, didn't get here that we could have had? Well, she willed and believed for her healing based on the ministry and the anointing of Jesus. And you see, that's an important point to make because it wasn't just she decided, I'm, I'm going to get healed. No, she had a basis for that decision. She knew about the ministry and the anointing that was upon Jesus. Healing is connected to the anointing inseparably. One of the reasons why some people never get miracles, whether it be healing or any other, is because they just will not cooperate with the anointing. The moving and the flow and the actions and the gifts of the Holy Ghost just don't fit their religious narrative. We don't do it that way at our church. Well, aren't you glad we're not at your church? Hallelujah. I've never done it that way. My grandma was a good woman. She's buried out back here in the church cemetery. She got in on the $800 special before the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Lord help me forgive me <laughs> but anyway <laughs> she's buried out there and she didn't do it that way well there might be a reason why she's there early maybe no we can choose to believe in the ministry and the anointing of Jesus. We can do the same today. We, we quoted it. We read from it. 2 Corinthians 4.13 in the offering time. We having the same spirit of faith. According as it is written. I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Believing is essential. Speaking what you believe is essential. You can't leave either of them off. And Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 says that Jesus is the author. And some of you are noticing I've, I'm using these paper notes and this is the first sheet and you'll notice I got two more pieces. You're in trouble. <laughs> You're in big trouble. <laughs> Hebrews 12 2 says Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. If you look up the word author, it's the leader, the front person. The finisher is the completer. So in other words, Jesus leads us where he wants to take us. 
He tells us all these good things in his word that are available to us as a believer. And he says, I will lead you there. And if you will believe me and follow me, I'll make sure, I'll, I'll bring up the rear and I'll make sure it's all done. When I start, Jesus would say to you, I will finish. So if he starts your healing by bringing you a word from the word about the healing power and ministry of Jesus, if he starts your financial miracle by bringing you a word from his word about his desire to provide for you, then you can know that if he starts that, he will lead you through the process, whatever that may be, and he will finish that in your life, and it shall come to pass. That's something worth shouting about. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So confession is receiving God's word and making it our own. The word of God is always in God's heart. You know, we have Bibles, we have written pages, and, and uh, I don't have the whole Bible memorized. And so many, many times in preparing to minister to you, and even for my own benefit, I will look up scriptures, and I've got my little systems that I use that help me find passages and things like that. But you know, God never has to use a concordance. The Word of God is always in His heart. And, of course, that word from God came to us as holy men of old were moved upon by the Holy Ghost. They were inspired to write. And they wrote it down so that then it could be spoken again and again and again and again until we come to 2022, September the 18th. We can still be speaking the word that is still, right now, present tense, in the heart of God. So when you return the word to him, that's what Isaiah 55, 11 calls it. When you confess the word, you are returning the word back to God. And when God hears his word, he responds. When God hears his word, he responds. He said, it will not. Let's, let's go to Isaiah 55, 11, And that's a good place to quit. I was just kidding about all those notes. I do have all those notes, but I'm not going to try to do all that today. Praise the Lord. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11 says, So shall my word be. God is speaking through the prophet. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And what would God please to be accomplished through his word? Well, if he said it, he would be pleased that it would come to pass. So we don't have to wonder, Lord, how are you going to do this? He'll do it just like he said. I may not know every intricate detail inside my body or everything that he might do beyond my sight and, and, and uh, knowledge naturally to get that miracle to me, but I know he'll do what he said. The end result will be what God said it would be. It shall, my word shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. How is it going to accomplish what God pleases, and when will it prosper in the thing he sent it to? When it's returned? Only when it's returned. And that's what the woman in Mark 5 was doing. She might not have realized it. I don't know if she realized she was doing Isaiah 55, 11, but she was doing it. Like any other uh, 
constant and law, even in nature and certainly in the spiritual dimension, you don't have to even know all about it for it to work for you. I mean, you don't have to understand Sir Isaac Newton. You don't have to know all about him. You don't have to understand all the, the way gravity works. All you got to do is go up here to the top of the building and jump, and you'll find out gravity works. And so it is. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a teacher. You don't have to be some deep sheep. You just do the word, and it'll work. Father, I thank you today that that word is working in us. I thank you that the Holy Ghost is in this room. The anointing of the Spirit of God is present. You, Lord, by the Holy Ghost, are here. You are with us now. And Lord, it's not your will that we have to wait a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month, a year, or till we get to heaven in order to receive the goodness and the blessing of God. It's available today. And so, Father God, just as that woman in Mark 5 touched the hem of Jesus' garment, just as the power and the anointing he was anointed with flowed into her body and she even felt that she was healed of that plague so it will be that those today who touch your power will also receive that which you make available in Jesus name the laying on of hands We'll talk more about it as we walk through this um, passage. You'll see the connection when we get there. But it's not just ritual. And it's not just something that we do to be doing. It's part of what God does. And Jesus is not here in the flesh... But through his body, the church, by the Holy Spirit, he is here. And that's why, since Jesus left the earth, believers have been laying hands on people to be healed. God has imparted anointings, sometimes spiritual giftings, and ministries are confirmed through the laying on of hands. It's not a show, it's not an affirmation of a preacher's ego that people would respond. None of that. It's simply about someone like this dear woman in Mark 5 that says, my days of desperation have come to an end. I'm ready to be delivered. I'm ready to receive the miracle that God has. Now, obviously, in this service, you already know by testimony that you don't have to have hands laid on you to get healed. But I make that available to you today. If you're here and you, you need the anointing of God to minister to you in any capacity, and especially in the area of healing, I invite you to come. If you'll come down front, we'll lay hands on you. Maybe nobody needs that, but if you do, it's available. I am anointed of the Holy Spirit. I don't say that out of arrogance I'm just telling you I've been sent here on an assignment I've been sent here with a message and God wants to always confirm his word with signs following so therefore healing is yours can be yours should be yours it belongs to you now 
and any other miracle that you may have. It might be something to do with your family. It might be something to do with your children. And I know that may sound strange, but why would I have hands laid on me if I'm believing God for my family? Well, I don't mean this to be uh, a smart aleck, but you know, it could be that that maybe there's something in you that could be done or changed or manifested that would make such a change that that situation would be turned around, even through you. I'm not saying you're at fault. I'm just saying the anointing of God is powerful. So, Lord, we're going to lay our hands upon these who are here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can sense your presence and your anointing that is here. But Lord, we are not basing what we believe on our feelings. We're basing what we believe on the truth of the word of God. And we believe that the anointing will flow in the name of Jesus.